and welcome to episode 106 of Random Encounter, the RPG Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Steinman, Pale Robbie on the boards. Joining me today is Derek, I'm slightly sick, Heemsbergen. Yeah, that's me. I know you're usually the one who says you guys are going to have to bear with me while I'm a little sick. But uh, <laughs> today, that's that's me. And uh, man, I wish I would have been on the last episode. You guys were talking about Setsuna and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Steven is still really loving on that right now. Oh, that's like, I want that game so bad. Do we know when it's coming out in the West? No. Have a date? It's supposed to. Like, it's announced. But That's how I'm feeling about Neo right now. The uh, the mm. game from the, uh, what is it, uh, Koei Tecmo people, like the nin- Team mm-hmm. Ninja, is making a Souls-like, and it looks amazing. And I'm just like, when's that coming out? Yeah, it looks a little bit more action-y. Yeah, like, but it looks really good. It's yeah, yeah. It looks like Onimusha. That makes That's me really what happy. I want. Ah, it looks so good. Uh, and then we also have Caitlin. I'm wrong about Elysium Argyros. Uh, I will not accept that nickname. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm not wrong about Elysium. Okay. Uh, Caitlin, activate the division Argyros. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that one. Okay. Say hi. Hi, links are on the boards, and I am in fact right now playing the division because the servers are in fact up. Oh, oh, man, I'm sure we need more clickbait articles about how an online game isn't working right at launch, right? Right? <laughs> I no. didn't play so much Street Fighter in in February and March. I did uh, not play so much of it. And Who's that, that? And that, everybody, is uh, Mike. Uh, Hot Ryu is awesome. Solosi? Uh, yes and yes. I want that nickname. <laughs> All love Hot Ryu. I yeah. love him so much. There's like. a clear winner in the pre-order skin in the pre-orders downloadable skins for is Street it because, Is it because he's Ryu or because he's hot? It's because the beard. The the beard is to, as somebody who has a very weak chin, and that's the reason why I have a beard. <laughs> like I, I don't think you quite understand. Like with the beard, it looks well, like here comes the story again. No, I look manly with a beard, but without it, I look like a small child. My neck just engulfs the entire chin. It's just. It's very, very, it's a very, very weak chin, but Ryu looks awesome. Also, I, I do like sexy Chun Li as well. I know maybe that, maybe that makes me a weeboo. Oh yeah, I, and the, yeah, oh. she's wearing a sort of a keepow kind of thing. Yeah, that I, I like that outfit. I mean, it's good I, costumes. Yeah, it, it, it's a really good costume, and it's like those two are on what the front cover of the special edition in Japan, and it's just like Street Fighter got sexy, and I'm okay with this. Like, I'm okay with this. I'll take it. I mean, and it's like they are kind of. Uh, they're a little pandery, I guess, but it's not like the outrageous torn clothes. I don't know. It's not butt slapping. I don't really care. I don't. I don't want to be like the hypocrite on this issue because we talk about it so often, you know. But I, uh, I, I'm okay with seeing Hot Ryu because we don't get thrown bones very often. So, ha ha. Ah. And of course, somebody went in and made sure to patch in the uh, Mika butt slapping into Street Fighter Five. Like, yeah, but even it's better, still, it's is still buried in... somewhere, so people can unlo- can like like can give it, it to other characters, characters yeah. in the yep. PC version. Yeah, it looks hilarious when Ryu does it. Yeah, like a little I, rainbow yeah. that he he points, and it's like. Whoosh. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, so a lot has happened recently, a lot of news. So I think this is going to be more of a news-centric episode than a lot of what we've been playing. So It uh, has been about three weeks since the last episode, I and know. a lot happened in that three weeks. I know. I'm using my spring break to catch up on video games right now. Like, I'm trying to play some Steins Gate. I've literally just put an hour into it, and I love it so far, but... Obviously need more time with that. I know, I know I've got Trails, Cold Steel right above me. I need to play that as well. But three yes. and a half weeks of three and a half Steinman's Gate, thank you very much. Uh, 
I'm also like on a three and a half week vacation, so that gives me plenty of time to catch up on video games, which means I'm your spring break is three and a half weeks. Dude, man, you teach at a boarding school. That's what happens. Like I remember John Stewart made a joke about that one time. It's like, eh, boarding school schedule. You work for four weeks, take three weeks off. How how awesome is that? Sweet Moses, I didn't realize it was like that. I know vacation time. That is, is sweet. Mm-hmm. So I think we should probably start with uh, Nintendo's Direct, where they just decided to drop way too much information on everybody uh mike tell us a little bit about nintendo direct tell us what were some of the standout things in there that that got you all hot and bothered well okay sure they uh should i focus on just the um just the rpg stuff or like everything in general i'd say focus on the rpg stuff and then we'll talk about the snes on new 3ds stuff all right well there was a they talked about a lot of games that we already knew were coming over to the united states to north america like uh they gave um uh, solid release dates for Fire Emblem Fates Revelation, which is called... Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, for... Oh, well, okay, alright, let me slow myself down. Uh, Fire Emblem Fates excited. Revelation, the third DLC for uh, Fire Emblem Fates, is launching March 17th. Uh, the Fire Emblem SMT nonsense RPG to- is called is going to be called Tokyo Mirage Sessions in, the, in North America. And... Uh, they announced a release date for that on June 24th. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm scrolling through a an article that's jumping around a little bit. Uh, they announced a new Paper Mario game for the Wii U called Paper Mario Col- Color Splash, which will launch later in 2016. They uh, gave some more background information for Bravely Second End Layer, which is coming on April 15th in the United States. Uh, same similar thing for Dragon Quest VII, Fragments of the Forgotten Past, which is later in 2016, quote-unquote, but we don't have a date for that. And Rob still thinks that he wants that game. Which one? Which one? I'm sorry. Dragon Quest VII. I do... <laughs> I, I, really, I, really, I really want that, too. It's, um, it's the only Dragon Quest game that I haven't beaten uh, from 1 through 9, and that's because the P- I just got so frustrated trying to play the beginning of the PS1 version. Yeah, uh, even like though I even though I own it, I well, I own the Dragon Warrior Seven thing. Yeah. But uh, so I I'm interested in that too. We don't they didn't give us any new info on Dragon Quest Eight though. Uh, they're gonna be adding virtual console Super Nintendo games to the new 3DS, but only the new 3DS. Um, <laughs> and and the, the first the first round of those is gonna be in. Uh, Oh, they. I think the the first couple are already available: Super Mario World, F Zero, and Pilot Wings. And they're going to be adding more on March twenty fourth, and then even more on April fourteenth. Pause. Okay, so their their reasoning for this is that they can make it pixel perfect on the new 3ds. That the new 3ds is significantly more powerful than the 3ds, so that allows them to do this. I'm going to take them at their word on that. Like, I'm not going to cry BS and say, okay, this is a giant conspiracy to make me want to buy a new Nintendo 3DS. But I see no reason to buy a new Nintendo 3DS except for this SNES stuff. And then isn't Xenoblade the only game that is still exclusive to the new 3DS, or am I missing anything else? Um, I think that, well, there are definitely some games that are enhanced, I'm doing air quotes, enhanced by a 3DS Um and some take advantage of the the analog nub, but I, I want to say there there's got to be at least one or two download games that are exclusive because I, I swear I looked at this up at some point. I'm I'm a great journalist. Let me look it up for you. <laughs> yeah, but but you guys kind of see what I'm saying here. Like I just 
I don't like a fragmented market, and I, I know that there's always enhancements made to consoles and stuff, but, like, this is like the damn RAM pack for Nintendo 64. Like, hey, yeah, you can play Perfect Dark on the Nintendo 64, but without the the RAM pack, it's... Uh, Just to interject, yeah, go it's, ahead. it's Binding of Isaac Rebirth is the only other exclusive ah. game. Okay. And that's a game that's been available on other platforms for right. three plus years. Yeah. Same with Xenoblade, though. So. True. Yeah. yeah. It it just doesn't. I don't know. The, this has been a major frustration for me. Is like the okay, I can play the SNES games on my Wii U, but I can't play them on my Nintendo 3D um, 3DS. But now I can play it on my new 3DS. I just really don't like a fractured market. I get it. I get that enhancements come out. I, you know, the PlayStation 1, the the slim PlayStation 2. I understand all that. I just don't like it and maybe I'm not the audience for this, but I'm not going to go out and buy a new Nintendo 3DS just to play SNES games. Like right. that that just ain't going to happen. No. Especially since there's I mean, there's a lot of SNES games available on the Wii Virtual Console and Wii U Virtual Console. The last time I played uh I let's see, late last year I played uh Super Mario World and Link to the Past, which are in this first run of new 3D of new 3DS SNES games. I played those on my Wii last year, so it's not like these are the this is the first time they've been available as as in in you know good emulated form. I have two key frustrations with this, and the first one is that I, uh, I just wish that if you bought a game once, that it would be available on other consoles, which yes. that it's compatible with. Like I understand. If I buy a, a virtual console game on Wii U and that isn't released for 3DS, of course I shouldn't be able to play it on 3DS. Sure. But like, if you're going to release it, then uh, I mean, if Sony can do retroactive cross-buy on stuff, then why can't Nintendo? And I know it's it's a matter of hardware specs, po- possibly, and also business decisions that I'm not privy to. So that kind of bugs me. And the other thing that bugs me is that I wish they would step outside of their comfort zone a little bit with the releases because I get that people want to play the big games, Link to the Past, Mario World, Earthbound. I mean, I'm a super diehard Earthbound fan, but I'm not going to buy it again for 3DS because I already have it several times over. Like, I Mm -hmm. wish they would try a little bit harder to release stuff that's more, not even niche necessarily, but like even the, the Wii Virtual Console, the original Wii, had some surprising releases like Breath of Fire uh, and it had some Mega Man X stuff, like, it, and it had, those are it those are like and, it had Sin and Punishment on it, which was Japan exclusive right. for ages. And some of those are are basically like just a step outside of the box, but even that's better. Like, I'm not expecting them to release tons of untranslated Japanese ROMs of stuff. Um, even though PSN did that a little bit with some games, I, well, a specific company, I think it was just Monkey Paw who was releasing uh, untranslated ISOs. Um, but I just. Eh. It's hard to be enthusiastic about this ecosystem that they're creating because it's like, A, I have to buy stuff more than once regardless. If I, if I buy something digitally once, I want it to be shared across platforms that support it, like I said. And two, it's just the same old, same old. So, I mean, that sounds really bitter, but um, I don't begrudge the existence of the option. Yeah. But they need to do something a little bit more compelling with it. And, I mean, it definitely makes you question the decision to create the the, the new skew and to make content exclusive for it like if they're not taking advantage of it of the the new hardware all that much if it's just a handful less than a handful of games that are really taking advantage of it then you you kind of ask yourself well why is it there for any other reason other than to make people buy it again i I will say that i think i know a lot of people aren't big fans of the the analog nub on the 3ds and it's perhaps not ideal but i have 
appreciated that. Um, all the games that I've played that have needed camera control, it has benefited greatly from that nub. I, of course, you wouldn't be would able to play the... Monster Hunter on the 3DS without that nub. I mean, you can, but it sucks. Yeah. Well, uh, sure. <laughs> I, I, I want to see a, a quote-unquote legitimate analog stick, uh, right analog stick added to Nintendo's next portable, and whether that's the NX or something different. Um, you know, but, but I think you're right that it does make you question the purpose of creating this new system when it's not doing a whole lot. It, it's not really bringing a lot of benefits to the consumer. It seems like, you know, they have a couple of exclusives and then they have this added control, which is like the big, the big thing. But otherwise, I don't know. I, I don't believe a lot of the conspiracy theories of like, oh my God, it's all just this horrible plot to, to steal money from their customers and to screw us over. Like, I don't know that I believe that. It's just not compelling. Yeah, I, and this goes back to whenever I turn my 3DS on and I go to the online shop. First, my 3DS needs to update for about three hours whenever I do this because I, I don't turn it on very often. But I go to their store and I just... It's like when the PlayStation 3 first got its PlayStation store and it just makes you want to rip your own eyeballs out. Yeah, that store is awful. It, it like it's terrible. It, it's not it, it's not intuitive. It's hard to find things, you know, and then I have to look onto a wiki to find out, well, can I get this for my 3DS or is this for Wii or is this for Wii U? It's like Nintendo just needs to sit down and go, "Okay, Let's make our storefront unified. Like that, this was a weird thing where uh, Jackie and I, because we wanted to watch House of Cards season four, and holy crap, was that amazing! Uh, <laughs> we got Netflix for the first time in like three years, so we we reactivated Netflix. And at first, I was really weirded out by its interface because it was very like minimalistic and kind of touchscreen oriented, and I was like, oh, I don't like that. But then when I realized that, oh, Netflix looks exactly the same on my computer, looks exactly the same on my PlayStation, now I see why you guys did that. Like, it is the same storefront on every device, which makes it very easy to use. It makes it intuitive once you've figured it out. When you go onto the PlayStation Store, it tells you right away, this, you know, you can download Parasite Eve, and it will play on this, it will play on this, it will play on this. Great! Like, I can view all that stuff nice and easy. I just need Nintendo to just rip that off and make it their storefront. Because playing a Nintendo console has never been, at least since the GameCube era, it's never been a pleasant experience for me. Because every time they make it look different, they make it look new, there's no unification across all their devices. I just, I can't stand it. And then you realize that, like, the Vita was so important for Sony because it allowed them to begin a unified storefront that has now continued on with the PlayStation 4. And that's a, you know, say what you will about the Vita, and it really sucks that the console's not selling that well. Derek, you were talking about Dragon Quest. If they announced Dragon Quest Eleven for Vita, that would be my preferred platform to buy it on. Mm-hmm. And it really bums me out that they're only might, talking about You Nintendo. might be able to play it on... Uh... Um, via remote play from PS4 to Vita, right, but, but I, I know that's not the I know that's not the same. But but wouldn't it be awesome if that game was also on Vita? Like yeah. I would love that game on Vita. And yes, like, but at least their storefront is unified. And the Vita's importance to Sony was we're gonna set a new standard for all of our devices so they all look the same, they all behave the same. There's at least some unification there. I think Nintendo really needs to do that. And maybe as we start talking more and more about the NX, which is you know that now the rumor mill is that we're going to see that in the fall. I still think that seems a little early, but maybe 
I need Nintendo to start unifying things and making it easy on the. U- Have you guys ever tried to use the Nintendo website to figure out what's on the eShop? Yeah, it's it's not helpful. Yeah. It, it's mm-hmm. like blood shoots out of my eyeballs. <laughs> but in the, but on on okay on the Donald Trump it's on the PlayStation <laughs> on the PlayStation Store website, you can actually buy games and tell them which platform to send it to, and even uh, start your download if your PS4 or Vita is on. Oh, I love that so I, much. I have, yes. I have actually, I, th- I think it was when Trails in the Sky SC came out, I bought it at work and it was ready to play when I got home. Yeah, and, I've used um, that several times. Yeah, and uh, to sort of expand on what Rob was saying, I think part of why the PlayStation Store is good now and the Nintendo Store isn't is because the PlayStation Store was so bad in yeah. the early days of the PS3. Like, they, they like working through these the weirdness of the PSP and PS3 stores and and figuring it out and uh, and getting that unification that people like is is now finally sort of coming to bloom in the PS Vita and PS4 stores which are much better and unified and have this uh, PC functionality when for the Nintendo stores until I think until recently you had to buy separate uh, Nintendo money if you were right. buying on the Wii, oh, Wii U, yes. or 3DS. So yeah. And it was a mess. And I, th- I think they recently combined the 3DS and Wii U's they uh, did. Uh, banks. But that's that's a relatively recent development. But I mean, it was for an online store, that kind of thing was practically unthinkable in 2015. I, I couldn't believe that I had to like go on onto eBay and spend $30 for a $20 card for my Wii virtual console. I think so. Stephen had uh, Stephen had me like one click away or or like one move away from buying the entire Ace Attorney trilogy for my 3DS and just getting to the storefront after like waiting an hour for my 3DS to upload I was like nope f this and I just put it down and I was like I have it's like I have money I want to give you Nintendo can you please make it easy for me Okay, this is a little embarrassing for me, but I I bought a uh, some Nintendo money uh, it was a month or two ago but I couldn't figure out how to add it for an hour or two after getting it because they have separate code entries for adding to your wallet and adding games. Oh my god! Yeah. And uh, and the, and and one is slightly harder are to they... find than the other. So I I just kept trying to add twenty bucks when they thought I was trying to add a game code. Are the was... codes even formatted differently though? Like, do they have a no? Different they, they have the characters? same number of digits. Oh my god! <laughs> and uh, oh. and the same and the same uh, don't use O, use zero. Yeah. Like that kind of stuff. It's, it's not a well-designed store, and I think that that's in part because um, they were a little bit later to the game in developing a modern online store compared to, you know, Microsoft and Sony that you know took plenty of lumps with crappy early versions of 360 mm-hmm. and PS3 stores, mm-hmm. and they're starting to figure it out. It's a little better than it was, uh, even two or three years ago, but it's far from ideal and consumer-friendly. Yeah, I thought that with the new My Nintendo account system, they were going to take some steps towards resolving some of these issues, especially with unifying content across devices. But, I mean, they may switch it up a lot when the NX launches, but I'm not really sure what their plan is there. Well, uh, do we have anything else in the Nintendo Direct, or do we want to move into kind of what I wanted to talk about a little bit, which is related to the the new 3DS and and hardware design changes? Uh Going a little bit back in time for the Nintendo Direct, there was a Pokemon 20th anniversary announcement a few days before that where they announced Pokemon Sun and Moon. Yay! And you know what? Later this year, uh, worldwide simultaneous release date. I think it's been 20 years since I played Pokemon. Because I played played, uh, Blue 
and that has been my only exposure to the series, I think I might pick up one of the new ones. Yeah. Like XY or Sun Moon? Sun Moon. I'll I'll probably wait for Sun Moon, but, like, I remember getting so excited as a kid for Pokemon Gold and Silver, and then I just missed the train. Like, I I don't know what happened. I got, you know, something shiny must have distracted me, but I just (laughs) missed it. I was like, oh, my God, you can breed Pokemon. Oh, this is going to be amazing. And, ooh, Squirrel. And I just got out of Pokemon. <laughs> for like the so, you, so you're Doug, then, is what uh, you're Well, getting. my dog looks like Doug from Up. So, it, yes, that is so actually. So it's a Yellow Lab or a Golden Retriever, which are both mm-hmm. very, very distractible animals. Uh, yes. Now I'm going to have to put a damn photo into the into the feed. But, okay. Uh, what else you got from the uh, from the Nintendo Directs? Oh, a lot of minor stuff. Um, the the new P- Mar- uh, Paper Mario RPG looks interesting. It's um, people are saying it's more in the vein of a Sticker Star than a Thousand Year Door. You have a That's magic kind of what it hammer. Looks like, that, yeah. yeah, kind of a magic hammer that paints things because you obviously use hammers to paint. I um, don't hate it. Like, it's not out. It's barely been revealed. I know that there was yeah. a lot of salt out there, um, and I. I tend to side I, I tend to be on that side of like eh, i'm a little suspicious but i think it's kind of pointless to call games out as being trash when they are announced you know like <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll wait and see but I, if it is more in the vein of sticker star i think most of us aside from tooker are gonna are gonna be like eh. <laughs> i don't know about you i mean i trust every single twitter hot take that i ever see i mean it's just it's just good journalism yeah takes too hot <laughs> Hey, no. uh, they're adding more things for more features to Splatoon and Super Mario Maker, which are good games that a lot of people like. Uh, yeah. They announced a new, a new Kirby game, which I'm interested in because I thought that Kirby Triple Deluxe was really good. Uh, more Monster Hunter stuff. There's uh, more Hyrule Warriors Legends stuff on the 3DS, more DLC. It, it was a pretty meaty Nintendo Direct. It was, yeah. Good stuff. Meaty. Although I know uh, a lot of people were expecting them to say something about Mother 3, particularly when they said, like, a long-awaited RPG series or something like that. I don't remember the exact wording. And then It they... was Seventh Dragon. Yeah. <laughs> no, was it Seventh Dragon? I thought they cut the footage of, uh, like, Dragon Quest again. Yeah, no, they, they did. They were talking about Dragon Quest Seven for that, but I was... Which we were yeah, super... I mean... I, I'm excited about. Super excited. But it was like... I still can't believe we're getting a Seventh Dragon game, because that was always one of those series I would hear of that, oh, we're never getting this in the U.S. Yeah. But boom, 2016. Hooray. <laughs> I think I'd hopefully you guys can see that picture of my dog and you'll see that he he maybe Aww. he looks sort of like sort of like Doug but he is precious. He he is an absurdly cute dog. I want to snuggle him. I, I know. He, you wouldn't believe how much he cuddles. Like he, he is a total cuddle slut. He's a fluffy dog too. Oh, he's fluffy. He's very fluffy. All right. So with kind of the the new 3DS SNES stuff uh Microsoft just decided to, in the past week, uh, take a shotgun, um, point it at their good foot, their uh, previous foot having healed after all the, uh, no, you can't sell back your games nonsense of like two and a half, three years ago. And then they decided to blow off their own toes again. And we've got, uh, we've got what you call it. We, You guys are sitting here distracting me on Skype. Um they decided to talk about possibly iterating on the Xbox One hardware. And so they, they come out and they talk about, it. well, you know, we kind of look at the Xbox One as a platform that maybe you're going to do different things to and maybe re-release new SKUs and games are going to maybe play differently. And it's, a, it's one of those moments, again, of just, hey, guess what? They clearly don't have this all thought out, so they're just kind of spitting stream of consciousness. 
And that didn't work out so well for them last time. They started talking about, oh, well, you can't sell back, you know, used games. Deal with it. You know, that's not going to be a big deal. Like, I don't know. Do, do you guys see the potential for this thing just erupting again on them? Am I the only one that's getting worked up over this? I haven't really followed it that much. I, Again, I have no particular brand allegiance necessarily. Like, I, I don't... I think fanboyism is dumb and born out of uh, just sort of like a petty jealousy that you don't have all the systems. I I just think that if there's a good game, I will play it on whatever system it's for. That being said, I don't have an Xbox One yet just because the only game that it looks really, really awesome to me so far is Sunset Overdrive, which has been out for a while. Um, so I could pick one up down the line, but I haven't really followed that news, unfortunately. I haven't either. I have an Xbox One, which uh, was a gift, and I haven't used it a whole lot because most of my games are on PS4, which I do kind of have allegiance to. Well, PS4 yeah. bankroll than I am. And I don't mean to be like dismissive and say like, oh yeah, I can just afford everything because I can't really. It's just a matter of. I think that a lot of people's justification for having console favorites uh, has to do with like a strange brand loyalty that's misguided because basically they're buying into a particular corporation's brand of marketing <laughs> over others. <laughs> Um, but Sega, yeah, I, Sega does what Nintendo don't is what yeah. you're telling me. I mean, if I I think preferences are okay. I I know we're not really. I didn't mean to get into this argument. No, I, no, I no, have no. preferences, sure, but. Uh, and I think that's important here. This isn't like a brand allegiance thing. I have not owned a Microsoft console, not because I don't like them. It's because that there's no game on those consoles that really had me interested. I came close to buying a 360 to play Alan Wake, and then it came out for PC, and I realized i really really don't like that game and it was like oh okay good i didn't buy a whole console just for that one game uh came also close to buying an xbox just to play steel battalion and that that's that's also like one thing that just just sitting in the back of my head i wish i owned a copy of steel battalion but um i borrowed a 360 for a few months to play tales of vesperia yes and and then later i ended up buying a 360 controller so i to play certain pc games with a controller because the 360 controller is great Oh yeah, I use it all. Oh the time. yeah, I, I love my I love the controller. I and, and honestly, an we're living in a controller. we're living in a great era of controllers because I think the PS4 controller is so much better than the PS3s, and the Xbox One controller is really good. It's it's we are gone. The days of the N64 dildo trident are gone, <laughs> and it's it's <laughs> awesome. And 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 that's this isn't me pointing out like oh man, Microsoft can't do anything right. It's just more a problem that. Microsoft is now potentially talking about iterating on their console, which, okay, I've heard the argument made on other websites. Well, you do the same thing with your phone now. You have your phone for two or three years, and then you get a new phone because the new phone's better. We've been conditioned to that since cell phones first came out. The idea of iterating on a console and, oh, guess what? This new version of the console might run the game at five frames per second better than the old version. Or this new version of the console might allow you to access new areas or stream the content better. I don't think gamers are going to be very receptive to that stuff. I uh, Unless the barrier to entry is very, very small. Like, you know, turn back in your console and 50 bucks, 100 bucks, we're going to give you a new version of it. I just don't see gamers really liking this, and I see this creating the exact thing that Microsoft has been trying to avoid for the past two and a half, three years, which is the confusion over their marketing. Uh, I I won't say the guy's name, but when we go to E3, we always stay in a hotel with a couple of Microsoft executives, uh, Microsoft guys from Canada, and we, we would sit down and have coffee with them, and it was always funny to talk to them. 
And they would talk about how, for the past two years, they've been trying to unscrew up the problems of the initial launch of the Xbox One, the initial announcement of the Xbox One of, you know what, we tried something, the messaging got all screwed up, the fans rejected it, so we went away from it, and we've been trying to fix that ever since. I feel, that's why I bring up the analogy of using a shotgun again. It's like, Microsoft is about ready to do the exact same thing again, where they're going to confuse people. There are still people that believe that you can't sell back Xbox One games. I mean, granted, there are also people that support certain politicians that believe that, you know, the slaves shouldn't have been freed. So you can find dumb people everywhere. But that messaging can take forever to unscrew. And Microsoft's about ready to do it all over again. And are we'll... they Go ahead. are they just considering it or are they actually actively planning this? I, I think it's a considering right now and we'll probably hear more about at E3. You know, okay. I, I'm really looking forward to the Microsoft press conference at E3 because as, as other uh, news channels and podcasts have pointed out, Microsoft's doing well in America, but everywhere else they are doing crap. Like that, that, that console is not selling everywhere else. It's got a home base in North America, which is great, but it is not doing the numbers that the 360 did, and they're in damage control mode. I could see them hitting restart on a whole new console generation out of nowhere. And we saw with this current console generation... I mean, I don't know about you guys, I, I don't feel like this leap from PlayStation 3 to PlayStation 4 and Xbox 360 to Xbox One, I don't feel the leap that we felt PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2, PlayStation 2, PlayStation 3. Yeah. I feel like, uh, I feel like well, we're starting to get to that barrier. I think so, too. And um, Maybe in terms of graphics, but in terms of like UI and usability. Sure. Yes, yes sure. that's what I was going to say. Some of the, I remember the earlier discussion about this console generation being not so much that it was going to be a huge increase in graphical fidelity, but that it would bring some advancements to it, more, more like communication, like Kayla, um, Caitlin said, interface stuff. Like the fact that streaming is just a thing that you can easily yeah. do now, that's huge. Yeah, you can, yeah. Yeah, you can, you can like do an archived stream with one button press on the th- on the mm-hmm. PS4 and I think also the Xbox One, right? And, and that is impressive stuff. And suspend and resume f- uh, features yeah. that are, you know, make... Lots of usability stuff. Yeah. yeah. I was more speaking to the graphics, but it's it's important for you guys to point that out. Like, the the user experience of the new consoles is so fantastic. Like, it is just amazing to be able to sit down on my couch, pull up Netflix, and then turn that off and switch over to a game that's downloaded on my hard drive. Like, I can just sit on my couch all day, and that's a wonderful, wonderful feeling. But it's the graphics increase and that we didn't really feel and that's kind of the stuff that i'm more interested in but the usability stuff is great but i could see microsoft potentially throwing their hands up and saying screw it we need to start the console generation again we we let this one get away from us we need to do something differently and now the playstation 4 is on track to sell more than the playstation 2 which is insane if you think about it as a sony fangirl i'm so happy if if it keeps up this uh you know these sustained sales then yes yeah, uh, but I think the the thing that bothers most people about the uh, this um, iterating on the Xbox One is the fact it's it's only been less than three years when yeah. the previous generation, the 360 PS3 generation, lasted basically eight years. Yep, which is um, which is quite long since you know the in the 90s and early 2000s you think of all of those console generations being four to five years, mm-hmm. and suddenly we have one that was eight, and now Microsoft wants to press the reset button and iterate it within three, three and a half. And that 
that sounds real bad to people because they're because they're were more recently conditioned to console generations lasting such a long time. Yeah, especially for people who don't uh, do PC gaming, like me. One of the uh, benefits or one of the reasons why I'm drawn to consoles is I can buy a console and know that that will be my console until, you know, the next level up. Like, you know, I have a PS2 until the PS3 comes out. I don't need to upgrade into PS2 to play games until the next major jump. If we're talking about small iterations where suddenly instead of every six to eight years I'm spending $400, it's every three that makes the lure of consoles a lot less alluring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, um, and speaking of PC gaming, I think part of why Microsoft wants to do this, or at least I, I read a mix of rumor speculation on this on other websites, is that they want to have the Xbox One platform and the PC platform on Windows 10 be um, not necessarily compatible, but similar. Mm-hmm. Like maybe being able to buy Xbox One games from the Windows 10 store or perhaps even having uh, some version of crossplay between them, which because I, th- I think Microsoft sees that the uh, Xbox One is is suffering, but PC gaming is thriving, and especially since there's so many good PC gaming marketplaces out there, and they want to see if they can maybe bring those two closer together. Yep. the The only thing that I can speak to as primarily a PC gamer, but more and more I'm playing games on my PlayStation Four, is because the optimization on the PC games has been kind of crappy. Like we talked about Dying Light a little bit on the last uh, podcast. When that game first came out, it ran like crap on my PC. Like couldn't get it up to sixty frames per second at all. Hovered around thirty or forty. And then they patched it, and they worked on it, and the optimization's great, and the game runs like butter on my system now. The new Hitman, I I primarily bought it for PC because the loading times are significantly less than on console, but there is no reason that this game should be pushing my system the way it is. But when you realize that they're not optimizing it because the console market is so big, and that's where they're getting so many sales, that's the one thing that I've really felt this console generation, is I'm looking at these games going, uh, why is this taxing my system so much? Like, what is what is going on? And I think we need the new generation of graphics cards to really make a difference. But, like, looking at the division on consoles and then looking at it on PC, I'm like, okay, it looks good. I'm not saying it's, not, it's a bad-looking game, but there is no reason that this game should be running at anything below 60 on my rig. Like, they, there's no reason. But that's primarily, you know, PC gaming problems. But <laughs> I, I enjoy playing games on my console because of that UI, because of that usability, and because, you know, Bloodborne is also on PC. Uh, excuse me, PlayStation 4, which, you know, that's basically why I bought the damn thing. Wait, so. you like Bloodborne? I know. Who would have thought, right? Who Weird. Thought? Hey, we got somebody to review Dark Souls 3 for us, so I don't have to play it. Yay. That poor, poor bastard. <laughs> that and he's poor, the other Robert. Yeah, it's the other Robert. That, <laughs> that poor son of a bitch is in for some hurt, man, because playing one of those games without message boards and stuff to help you out. Why are you doing this? I really like him. You're going <laughs> to eliminate him. He's going to show up. He's going to have gray hair. Like, I, I seriously think that the past two Souls games that I played for review, they gave me gray hair. Like, just... Geesh. Anywho. Anywho. So that that's my two cents on the whole Microsoft thing. I mean, I... Maybe they're going to have a really good messaging thing at E3, or maybe they just drop it entirely. But I don't think kind of saying, hey, we're thinking about this the same way that they did last time. I don't see that working out. But 
maybe I'm entirely wrong. And it, I wish them all the best in the world. I mean, if it makes a better console, if they just decide to bring out like something new, something fresh, I, I get it. But, man, I don't know. I don't think your market's really going to like that. I mean, does anybody here own a new 3DS? Any of us? I, I do. Okay. Do you, uh, Did you get it for Xenoblade Chronicles? Yes, and yeah, I am unashamed to okay. say that. I, I am not. Well, I know. I, I just know you bought that game like five times. Yeah, I got it for that, <laughs> yes. and because uh, I wanted to try getting into Monster Hunter, and it, it wasn't going to happen without times, that analog but... nub. So I could have told you, man. It'd be five times if they released it on on Wii U with like. Oh, oh, oh it's only four. Go- My bad. Okay. Yes. Well, it's only it's <laughs> only been released. Um, a real fan would times. own five copies. You could have the European version. There's the Japanese, European, American, and now the 3DS. Yeah, Although I guess technically I could also buy like the Japanese or the you know European versions of the 3DS. I'm 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 a poor Xenoblade fan for not owning every region. Wow, fake gamer. Operation but, yeah. Rainfall will just be so disappointed in you right now. Yeah, I mean, I was I was I was disappointed that I had to buy a new 3DS to play Xenoblade, but it was Xenoblade, and I will pretty much do anything to play that game on the go. So That's well, it. That's the Monado's power. Monado! Well, now Basta. you can play Donkey Kong Country 2 on a handheld, and the rest of us can't. And it's so pixel we'll, perfect. So we're Yay! Just That's a really good game. I it love is. DKC2. Man, I, oh, those games just... Mm, but H. but number three, F... What's his name? Baby... Yeah, Baby Kitty, Kong. Kitty Kong. Kitty Kong. Kitty Kong. Yeah, that, that He's the worst. And he was I, the, the Wii and Wii U Donkey Kong Country games are great. The... the the third, the third SNES one is the weakest link in the chain. Yeah, but it's uh, really fun to watch Game Center CX and, and watch uh, Arena play that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it and, is really fun to watch him play. And it is sort of funny that you move from like the Jungle Island to basically fake Canada. Yep. I, I thought that, I thought that was a, I thought that was a neat artistic choice, but whatever. Um, Ga- Donkey Game Kong's Center, not Game, an RPG. <laughs> Game Center CX is my go-to when I'm grading. Is to just put that on in the background so that when you know I'm it's grading so something and I become completely disillusioned with life, oh, I just look up and watch him fail at something. They should totally make a Donkey you know, Kong RPG. They should. <gasps> yes. Donkey Kong Family RPG. Yeah, I'd play it. Well, Nintendo, we just up, gave you one. Because you brought up Donkey Kong, they uh, Nintendo just put out a new line of Nintendo Selects, the games at the um, discount price point in Donkey Kong Country 3D for 3DS, and then I believe Tropical Freeze for Wii U were both among those. Sweet, those are both um, real good. Yeah, I think, I mean, I worth it, I guess. Or, I'm sure they're worth it. Um, I just bought Pikmin 3 again because I don't know why I don't own it anymore. Like, I swear to God, I, I know I played it, I bought it, I owned it, and I don't usually trade games in, so it disappeared in some mystery theft, so I got another copy of that. And to make it pertinent to RPG fans, uh, well, to our coverage, I guess I should say, the Zelda Ocarina of Time is among those as well for 20 bucks. Right. I'll probably, thanks to our uh, wonderful episodes of Retro Encounter, I'm probably going to buy Parasite Eve 1 and 2 for my Vita at some point. Oh, hell yeah. You haven't already? No, I haven't. Uh, I actually got Parasite Eve uh, back when I was in grad school, and I played about half of it, and I liked it. I didn't love it. I I started getting really annoyed whenever I was trying to pick up objects because you need to be right over something to make it work. But I did really like the game. Um, I Maybe stop it. with those first two though. Just you know, oh yeah, we ain't playing oh, the yeah. third birthday. No, <laughs> no, 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 third no, no, birthday no. is a mess. But playing Resident Evil Two on my Vita was a pretty awesome experience. So I think I need to go to Parasite Eve because that again I just love the fact that I can buy old PlayStation One games for the Vita. I think that's absolutely amazing. Yeah, if they I love could that too. if they could somehow get the PlayStation Two games to work, which I'm guessing will never happen can you imagine 
Yeah, and if they didn't have shitty proprietary memory cards that cost way too much, yeah, well that would be the other. And I could have all of the games, but yeah, no. I was, I had to. I bought a uh, um, a sixty four gig one for something like ninety dollars, and then Ooh. I, but then I, I was at Target weeks later and saw the Sony proprietary USB memory cards. A sixteen gig one was like eight dollars. It's like this. The math isn't exactly working out here. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're they're bizarre. <laughs> I, I I can't justify those price points. That that was their that was a serious screw up with the Vita. Uh, I will agree with that. As much as I love that system, that was a a bit of a screw up. Yeah. Yes. Moving away from talking about hardware and speculation, can't wait for E3. Can't wait to see what all is going to happen there. But uh, let's move into some games here. So uh, there's like three Fire Emblem games to talk about right now, which confuses the hell out of me. So somebody, uh, what 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 is going on here? Okay, there's there's two Fire Emblem games. There's uh there the whole set is called Fire Emblem Fates and you have Fates Birthright and Fates Conquest which are basically the Pokemon Red and Blue of this generation of Fire Emblem games. They're um but unlike Pokemon, they're each one of them is a separate storyline with separate maps, uh, a lot of exclusive characters to each side, and um basically your uh the main character which is designed by the player is uh was born in one country then adopted by the second country and after you play a couple chapters that are the same in both versions you choose a side which is and the choice is made for you automatically if you have one only one of the versions if you have the special edition it contains birthright and conquest and at that point in chap i think it's chapter five or chapter six you basically choose a side and there's also a third path um, called Revelations, which I think I mentioned earlier in that Nintendo Direct uh, semi-rant that I made earlier, mm-hmm. um, where uh, I, I don't know all of the story gist of it, but basically it's a neutral route that tries to, instead of choosing a side, you try to, you know, have combine both them. Yeah, you combine them or have the both the two sides stop fighting or fight the true evil instead of just the other the other uh, royals. And but that version is uh, included in the special edition and downloadable in either version. Oh, and also um, you can download the opposite path if you only own one path. Like if you own Birthright, you can download Conquest for twenty and vice versa. So, um, but the two again, like I said before, the two versions are very are quite different. They uh, it's not like Pokemon where there's only a couple you know characters or Pokemon different on each side. Uh, Pokemon Birthright plays a little bit more like Awakening, where there's an open world map and you have more freedom to grind. While Pokemon Conquest is more like older Fire Emblem. <laughs> Pokemon. Was that a? Oh slip? yeah, so I'm sorry, Fire Emblem. Conquest. No. Oh, I thought it was on purpose. purpose. I'm confusing yeah. myself. I'm it it oh, was good no. though. It was good. Oh, all right. So Fire, <laughs> so Fire Emblem Fates Black version only lets you uh, uh, stay on one story pathway, and uh, you have less freedom to grind. And I've. I bought the special edition, so I've played about 15 chapters of Conquest and 10 or 11 chapters of Birthright, and um, Conquest is definitely more challenging. If you uh, want a more relaxing Fire Emblem experience, play Birthright, and if you want a more hardcore Fire Emblem experience, play Conquest is the the general advice that I have. And that's more like the original Fire Emblem. Like that that was the thing that I always heard about made original Fire Emblem so hard was you had to really space out your leveling and be careful because you didn't have random encounters that you could power level your guys. 
Yeah, most Fire Emblem games are like that. Only right. a couple have given you world maps with random encounters. Uh, I think maybe pretty much only Sacred Stones and Awakening did that. Sounds stressful as hell. Like it, that that sounds really stressful. The most stressful part is if even if you play correctly, quote unquote, sometimes if they're if the RNG is against you, um, some of your characters can level up poorly, mm-hmm. and it would just making it harder on yourself uh, yeah. via a game well, mechanic that's outside your control. Not to mention yeah, like, like, critical hits. Oh yeah, <laughs> I've heard but, I mean, if you're I've... not careful in conquest and you don't level characters or you don't try to spread experience enough, you could end up with situations where you can't actually finish the game. Yeah, I it's... know which version I'm not playing. Right. Well, I don't think it's um, that bad, but it's not that bad, and it's a lot more user friendly than some of the really challenging uh, Fire Emblem games. I think it's much more user friendly than the Wii one, Cause... for example. Yeah, I'm on chapter uh, 21 of Conquest, so I'm pretty far along, close to the end. Um, and there have been some fights that I've had to do over, but it hasn't been like, oh my god, this is impossible. You just the 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 big difference besides uh, Conquest not giving you opportunities to grind is that the battle objectives in Conquest tend to be a little bit more um, complex. It, it, instead of just right. having kill all enemies, which is most of the battles in Birthright. Conquest will ask you to do things like um, occupy a particular space or only kill the boss or um, there was one fight where you had to talk to several you had to like get next to um, one of several NPCs on the map and quote unquote talk to them to see which one was an imposter and then once you figured out the imposter then you had to kill them so in that map I divided my forces and I wasn't uh, I didn't divide them super evenly so when I finally found the guy I was supposed to kill I had like two people next to him and then I had a rough time with that so uh, you have to be a little bit more tactically conscious, I guess, in Conquest. But both, you can, as far as I've experienced, you still can kind of brute force him if you're playing on normal, casual. Uh, it's it's not so bad. Mm-hmm. But the story, I would say, I mean, story is a big difference as well, of course. Like, uh, the birthright, you're siding with the more peace-loving people, at least that's what they sort of set it up to be. And then Conquest, you're siding with the the actual evil empire, and you want to change from within which i thought was a more interesting angle yeah and there's that's some there's some narrative dissonance in that conquest side because uh basically you're the it's it's you the player character with your four siblings um our adopted siblings and then the king the king is just so obviously a psychopathic villain and (laughs) his and his children are completely blind to it that it's a little it's it doesn't even make sense it's like oh my my siblings all love me and they're supporting me on this while my father is obviously setting me up to fail right. and trying to kill me while trying to murder you yeah, trying to murder me and and the other and the other team as it were so yeah. it's it, that was a little confused a little it is kind of weird yeah i agree because uh this is actually something that i've noticed about fire emblem and i'm not necessarily going to say that it's a bad thing but um particularly beginning with awakening and now i've seen it repeated in fates I think that Fire Emblem, the new Fire Emblem model is to introduce um, characters that are defined very, very quickly, narratively. They are characterized in like an instant, and they don't tend to change all that much. I mean, of course, there are exceptions, but most of the units that you get in Fire Emblem, they'll join you in a battle, and they'll immediately spout some like eccentric dialogue, and then they won't really shift from that ever. And I guess the idea behind that is one of my friends explained to me, um, Jeremy, who used to be a writer for us. Hi, Jeremy. Um, he he mentioned that he likes that because it in a game like uh, Fire Emblem, which is now really 
cent- not maybe not centered around, but it is pretty dependent on the entire pairing units up feature. He thinks that it's cool to have units that are defined uh, very easily so that you can say like, oh, this person, uh, like Effie is really into lifting weights and protein shakes. And, you know, this other guy, I, I, I don't know, like Leo is kind of serious and taciturn. So I think it'd be fun to pair the two of them up. And he likes that sort of upfront reveal of who all of the characters are. For me, I think it's a little too shallow. Um, I had previously described the writing in Fire Emblem Awakening as like Saturday morning cartoon writing. Just because mm-hmm. everything is super like, I'm the evil villain. And then the other people are like, we're the heroes of justice. And I know that, again, that's very hyperbolic and I'm simplifying here. And I don't mean to say that there is not good writing in the games whatsoever, because there is some. Um, but but Fates sort of seems to continue that tradition for me. And, you know, without making a value judgment, I just think that's that's it's different. It's a different direction. Well, that that was what turned uh, Steven off to Danganronpa, was like, when he started that up, he was like, oh, these characters are super tropey, and then right, Danganronpa right. does a really good job of subverting yes, a lot of that stuff. they do. That's... Yeah, well, also, I think there's an issue of quantity here, because Danganronpa has, oh, uh, sure, has yeah. 16 characters, and each Fire Emblem game has, at, usually in the neighborhood of 30-plus Mm-hmm. So uh, and with and also the the recent Fire Emblem games, Awakening onwards, let you have as many dialogues as you want between characters. Like uh, I think in, in both Awakening, I think they changed it for Fates, but at least in Awakening, you can have you can have one S rank that gets up to four conversations between two characters, but then you can have as many A ranks as you want. So you can have three conversations with any with a ton of characters, and then you get a fourth marriage level one with one pair, but. In older Fire Emblem games, you only had three, uh, f- I think a total of five conversations ever. You could have like an A, a B, like two C's, two B's, and an A or something. So uh, that doesn't make There's a lot of sense. There's certainly a huge volume of script yeah. there. Like, yeah, I, that, I understand that. Doesn't, that doesn't make a lot of sense if you haven't played the older Fire Emblem games. But there's just a huge volume of script, and I think it's easiest for them or maybe it makes more sense for them to have more one-note characters and have the all that dialogue be these uh the characters sort of bouncing off each other rather than having yes. them more more richly defined. And I think mm-hmm. that's an issue of quantity and not and not necessarily of them wanting to have good deep characters. Yeah. If, if I could maybe ask one final question on Fire Emblem. Do you think that somebody who's new to the series should start with Birthright and then move on to Conquest? Like you'll you'll kind of have figured out all the systems and now Conquest being a little bit more intense, that's kind of the the fair way to go. Would you guys recommend that? I suppose so. I think if, either works, honestly, but um, yeah, Birthright's more straightforward. It might depend on how much previous experience they have playing uh, strategy RPGs. Okay. I would probably recommend Awakening to a new player before uh, before Fates. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, but um, in general, uh, yes, Rob, I think that a beginner uh, conquest... I'm sorry. Blech. Pokemon Birthright is a little bit, <laughs> is a little bit more uh, noob friendly than Pokemon Conquest, and it seems like it sold very well. Uh, so, it broke every record for Fire Emblem, which is kind of neat. I, I think they've they've hit on something. It works really well on the go. Uh, on the go, I liked Awakening. I kind of want to get back to it someday. I, I enjoyed what I played. I think I just needed to turn my brain off and play it on normal and not worry about I need to make it super hard because that'll make that'll prove what a man I am playing this game it's like no nah. I got I got pissed off enough playing awakening on classic that I was just like because I, I made it to I want to say the the final battle or the penultimate battle in awakening on classic and I got so pissed that I eventually just turned it to casual and beat the game and for this one I was just like no I'm just starting on casual like I don't 
I don't feel like my pride is wounded in any way. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I started Conquest on hard, uh, hard classic, and around chapter nine or ten, I switched to normal classic because I don't have enough time to slave over one battle for multiple hours to get it just right. I, I, I didn't need that in my life, so now I'm, I'm continuing on normal and classic and liking you it much change more. Difficulty? But it's good. It's you, good can't, you, can, you can change. You can go downward in difficulty, but you can't go up. Uh, I think that's what happened. Was I started on normal, and that I wanted it to be harder because it felt it felt way too easy on normal. And then I went to hard classic, and I just got annoyed with it. And it was like, wow, I can't find a happy medium here. Um, yeah, but I there, think it's good that, that there are birth, options. Yeah, I think that birthright. Uh, I, I'm still in hard classic on birthright, and it's it's not bothering me much at all. But on uh, for conquest, hard classic was a little much, and I'm I'm not the most hardcore fire emblem play, player. I've played a bunch of them, but I, I mean I I use I use guides. I'm not a I'm not great at these games. <laughs> That's fair. Nobody's here to judge you. Ste- Steven's not here to say that you're not playing on the ha- hardest difficulty, so you're doing something wrong. I think I on awakening I was Steven playing hard that. casual. I think Steven likes to play hard difficulty, but he doesn't. He's insane. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. All right. So it does make for amusing stories, though. It does, yeah. So that's Fire Emblem. Uh, sorry, Pokemon Conquest and Birthright. <laughs> and then, of course, they had to have Revelation. Like, I really like those two subtitles, Conquest and Birthright, and then they just went with Revelation. It's like they just said, ah, screw it. I mean, it's it's contextually appropriate, but it's it's definitely it's a, it's an amusing coincidence that we have all of the. Rise of the Birth of the Legend of the Revelation games coming out these days. Cross. Which, by the way, I just played Rise of the Tomb Raider and beat it, and it was uh, really good. The writing is hokey as hell, but it's a really yes. good Yes. Mm. No, this is I a think good, it's better than the first fire, game, though. Yeah, this is a Fire Emblem ass Fire Emblem game, but it's... it's uh, Nothing wrong with it, that. Yeah, uh, I mean, you... Yeah, I think we've done, we've gone over on... Uh, we've gone enough on uh, how they're different, and but they're still yeah. good. I'm, I'm definitely oh. enjoying it. One thing we didn't mention, though, is the seven-disc plus one DVD soundtrack for Fates. What? Right. For Fates, really? Yes. Yeah, Awakening had a four-disc soundtrack, and they just upped the ante on it again. Yes. Oh, my God. I, didn't I don't know, know if it if it, there's just... if I'm assuming there's unique music in each uh, there route. There is. So I'm guessing that's why, because we're actually... You're effectively playing... If you have all three, you're playing three games, so... That yeah. game just has all the music, apparently. Yes. Oh my God. And, well, um, uh, some of that is a little inflated. Like they, like each stage will have unique music, and it'll cut into a slightly different tempo battle version of it when you right. go into a into combat. So it'll, uh, so uh, it it's not exactly 150 super unique tracks necessarily, but it's still seven discs of music, which is yes. which you know is eyebrow raising. It's glorious. Mm-hmm. And I, I just want to know how many different ways Azura can tell me that I am the ocean's great waves. Because <laughs> that seems to be the case. That I am, in fact, the ocean's great waves. Great, is it great waves or gray waves? I don't remember. That's like the, the tune for the game. Yeah, that they I, have I, the little I, motifs of yeah, everywhere. The opening song. Um, I'm not even going to try right now because I'm sick and I can't sing anyway. But I, I don't know if it's gray or great. I can't, my, I can't find it in my brain. I'm waves, know. though. That's da, all you need to know. Da, da, da. Da, da, yeah. da. That. Yes. That's me. It me. Ocean's I don't know the because the, they re-recorded it in English, which is uh, nice and interesting that they did that. Yeah. Reminds me a little bit of the Working Designs era, like lunar English yes! opening theme. Yeah, all, all of Luna's songs and 
uh, in Lunar 1. They're kind of awkward, but I always love them. Anyway. All right. Better change togs before I start singing them. Yeah, boy. Moving on. Uh, Mike, you also had Etrian Odyssey, what, 37 to talk about? Which one? Uh, Well, um, no, they just... thank you. (laughs) They just announced the release date for Etrian Odyssey 5, and it's going to be on the 3DS. It comes out in August in Japan. And I've also been recently playing Etrian 4 uh, because it was on sale for $10, I think, yeah, $10 a few weeks ago. And it's it's real good. It makes I, I was I was Etrian curious because I really liked Persona Q and hated Etrian Odyssey One for the DS. Yeah. But um, you know all the forum chatter and internet reviews said that no Etrian Four is really good and Persona Q is sort of uh, borrows a lot of its map stuff from Etrian Four. So I'm playing that now. It's really really good. I the just even though I'm less than I'm not even level twenty yet. And level twenty is when you unlock more skills i can sort of just see the depth of the of how this class system goes and yeah. I'm, it's really intriguing and the map stuff is great and now i'm kind of am looking at etrian 5 and wondering if i want to make that if i want to get that much earlier than i did on 4 those games they really do it for me audio visually like uh, the soundtrack in particular the music is so good in 4 so oh, wow. good yeah 4 i think it has my favorite soundtrack um of all it's the great. games but I don't know what it is about them. I, I like them, but I always give up, like, around Labyrinth 2, 3. I, Etrian Odyssey 4, I got to the fourth one. It's the farthest I ever got, but I cannot seem to beat those games. Um, so it's my hope that Etrian Odyssey 5 reinvigorates a little bit. And it kind of seems like it's going to because they have different races and they're changing up the character customization system a bit. Um, it's a great series, though. You want to play a really rough dungeon crawler. Not rough in terms of, like, badly made, but... Uh, the Dark Spire on DS. Oh my god, that game is is brutal. It's very much an old school wizardry first person kind of thing, and it it doesn't want you to succeed in any way. Is it the Dark Souls of dungeon crawling? It may very well. Be. <laughs> we haven't it's done the, that for a while. We haven't. It's done the that. Dark Spire of, of Dark Souls. Yeah. Oh god. The I, I don't have a great history with wizardry style <laughs> games because I I tried to. I rented Arcana for the SNES for like four straight weeks when I was eleven or twelve, and whoa, I'm like <laughs> like old dungeon crawlers uh, JRPGs like this don't they, they've gotten a lot better over the years. Don't play Arcana for the SNES, but Etrian Four is really really good, and I will probably play it for the next few months while my roommate watches wrestling. I do a lot of turn-based RPGs when my roommate watches wrestling. <laughs> A lot of visual novels while Jackie's wrestling. Wrestling, right? Yeah, he. I mean, he's a wrestling blogger. He probably watches twelve hours of the stuff a week. I'm not exaggerating. Yeah, I probably spend more time gaming than that a week. So yeah, I don't blame uh, him. no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not judging, but I mean, there. It just happens a lot that he has wrestling right. on, and I have my Vita or 3DS, and I'm playing a turn-based game, and then that asking, "Oh, who's like... that guy? Is he is he good or bad right now?" <laughs> right oh, now, she, oh yeah. she's pretty. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of thing. Uh, see, I loved it back in the WWF. Uh, yes, I say WWF. Uh, Attitude <laughs> era back with Stone. The World Wildlife Fund. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> see, that that to me, this is this is Austin 316 month for the next uh, what 28 days, which is fantastic. We, we love that. So, I love when he showed up in the. Can I get a hell yeah? He showed up in a beer truck and sprayed down Vince McMahon and everyone with beer. 
<laughs> well, I mean, there was there was a period of several months where he would just show up in a different vehicle every episode. Yeah, that, I think culminated in that milk truck thing. That was pretty hilarious. He was also but yeah, like wrestling is is weird to explain to non fans, but it's yeah. it, it's uh it sure is a thing. And my roommate watches a ton of it. It is a thing, and I I used to be very very into it. I got out of it in like I want to say high school was when I finally said like ah enough's enough. Like I just. I'd watched too much, and I'd kind of seen it over and over again. But it is the male soap opera. It's like that South Park episode <laughs> dealt with it was pretty damn spot yeah, on. I'm almost the opposite of you because I was never really into it except when I was a small child and stopped watching it. But then when I moved, when my roommate moved in, he had it on so much that I was I started asking him questions. Oh, who's that guy? Who's that guy? And now I kind of have a working knowledge of WWE stuff, which is. Sort of weird and sort of embarrassing, but eh, whatever. It's not. It's not really embarrassing to be a wrestling fan nowadays, since it's they've done a really good job of getting out there on the internet. But uh, yeah, let's talk about RPGs some more, shall we? No, I, I like talking about wrestling. We wrestling is an RPG. It is. We play a role. We play roles. We play a role. Uh, uh, now we're gonna have a wrestling RPG. We're literally literally going to have that. If they if they made a luchador RPG where you could create your own. Oh my like, god! Create there... your own wrestlers in different classes. Wasn't there an Ultimate Muscle game for GBA or something? Probably. I mean, there's a, there's a zillion of those Kinikumon games. Um, yeah. It sounds like we need to make one now, at the very least. They could just have a Persona 5 character wearing a luchador mask. That was my favorite character. <laughs> my favorite character I ever designed in uh, any D&D campaign was I made a vampire race whose class was vampire. I just decided to break the game completely because in one Dungeons and Dragons third edition, the vampire was a class and another one, it was a race. So I doubled up on vampire and I basically made the undertaker and he always carried around a table. So I could <laughs> throw people into it. And so like you know, I would, we had a bar fight one time. I threw a guy through a table. It took like three moves to get this to work. And then I took a table with me. And they, you, know, you're, you're you, you say gonna... that's weird, but there is a wrestler vampire in Shadow Hearts 2. I was about to say that, and, <laughs> and he would that. know that if he had ever played it. I, apparently now <laughs> I need to play that. So. Very Joaquin of you. Mm-hmm. There, there's a different vampire in the same family in each Shadow Hearts game, and the, the one in 2 is a wrestler, and he's great. And on that note, uh, <laughs> I think we'll move away from Etrian Odyssey 5 and talk about a game that I can barely pronounce, Derek. What is this? Papalocros? Okay, so, so the official Pop-a-la-cross. word... Popcorn crossing. Popcorn uh, crossing, <laughs> love it. The official word is that it's pronounced popolo croix, but it looks like Christ. a French word to me. Yeah, like they pronounce the S um, in the game. That's official. So, I don't know, popolo croix is what it sounds like Roy? to me. But I'll say popolo croix just because that's how they say it in the game. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, so this is, uh, it's Return to Popolo Croix, a story of seasons fairy tale. It is a crossover game that combines the long-running Popolo Croix, I'm going to say property, because they've been uh, manga since long before since they were games, uh, with Story of Seasons, which is better known as Harvest Moon, more or less. It's like the new moniker that Harvest Moon has taken since uh, Exceed, or Marvelous, rather, has the rights to that series now. But the but Natsume is still doing Harvest Moon stuff, so it's kind of a mess. But <laughs> yes, so it's a, it's a crossover game. It's... More or less, uh, it's it's a really light RPG with some farming elements. It doesn't really take equal parts from both series. But it is the story of Prince Pietro, who is the main character of all the Popolo Croix things. Uh, and he is the prince of this idyllic little fairy tale kingdom. And he gets transported to this other land called Gallery Land, where there are evil black beasts 
that are sapping the soil of its ability to produce crops. So the people of this land are suffering and it's up to Pietro to stop that shit. So, uh, <laughs> sorry. Anyway, uh, he teams up with some long running characters from the series, including Narsha, who's this, um, benevolent forest, witch apprentice kind of girl who he's in love with. And they have a cute little romance thing going, um, and some other characters that are long running from the series, uh, a longtime ally of his, the white knight, and a previous villain named the Gummy Gummy Devil, who has turned good and now fights alongside them, but is still kind of a weird megalomaniac. So it's a it's a really again it's a light game, a simple game, um, in that it is it's a turn based JRPG at its heart. It has um, the battle system is like a kind of grid based, and the the closest thing that it reminds me of is Rhapsody, a musical adventure, which is on PS One and DS. That uh, that was I think the first. Nipponichi game I ever played. Yeah, uh, I think so. I think that's same for me. That or well, I was gonna say Disgaea, but Rhapsody came out first. So. Yeah, Rhapsody's like late '90s. Disgaea is '03. But yeah, keep yeah. going. Sorry, man. So it's okay. So it, it's very much like Rhapsody in that you have this grid, but positioning doesn't actually matter all that much. Um, your characters just move and and attack. There are a couple of special attacks, a couple of combo attacks, a la Chrono Trigger. Um, but the game is super, super, super easy. Um, there is an auto battle feature that I left on for I would estimate like seventy to eighty percent of the game, including bosses most of the time, uh, just because the special attacks would help you win faster, but they wouldn't necessarily give you. There was no benefit to using them other than speed, um, because regular attacks were sufficient for everything. So it's a. Uh, I'm not. I'm pretty tepid on this game. Um, I recognize that it has a very lengthy history. The original Popolo Kreuz manga debuted in Japan in, I want to say, like the late 80s. Uh, sorry, 1978 is when the Popolo Kreuz manga first debuted in Japan. Um, and the series has been around ever since then. So I get that it has this storied history and that they've been adding new chapters in the saga over the years. Um, most of these games have never come out in America. We got Popolo Kreuz for PSP. It's just called Popolo Kreuz, um, which is, as far as I'm aware, it is a... Uh, sort of dual volume thing that has Popolo Kreuz 1 and 2. And then there are some other ones. There's like a side story um, Popo Rogue game and some other stuff. So uh, most of these games haven't come out here. Um, you don't need to have played any of them to get what's going on in this one because it is much like the moniker. It's called A Story of Seasons Fairy Tale. It is very much a, a pretty simplistic fairy tale. Um, so I've heard, I, I, like I said, I, I'm pretty tepid on it. I reviewed it you know, middlingly, I gave it a 75 out of 100, which is, you know, not awful. You hate it. <laughs> no, I don't hate it. I, I think that it has. Grade. I think that it has some serious shortcomings that make it not really that exciting to play. Um, I cleared the game in just over 10 hours. Uh, that's that's a fast completion time from what I've read on the web. Um, I've heard figures from 15 to 25 to way more than that if you do all the side stuff. But I just didn't really think that the game was all that. Uh, compelling is the word that keeps coming to mind because because it is so simplistic and battles there's not really much of an incentive to explore and do side quests and stuff when the rewards that you would get from the side quests aren't going to make a tangible difference in battles because it's already so easy um you can pump up the difficulty if you want to but the the thing that this game is resting on more than anything is its charm is its charisma it wants you to really fall in love with the world and the characters but for me the game felt very juvenile. It sort of felt like a game that was made for kids 
and that I was playing and that if somebody saw me playing, they'd give me a side A. Not that I really care about if somebody else was seeing me play it, but it's it's the kind of thing that just, I felt like this game wasn't intended for me, which is okay. Not every game has to be intended for everyone, especially, you know, not for me. Like, I recognize that. So in my review, I tried to be as objective as possible by saying, like, hey, I get that this series has been around for a while, and it's not really for me. Here's what it does right mechanically. Here's what it kind of missteps on mechanically. And for the most part, I just found it to be too shallow. Um, it's it's a cutesy little game, but it doesn't really have much substance to it beyond the all of the script that's in the game. Like, you can run around and talk to NPCs who have some cute things to say. And what, what differentiates this for me between... Because Popolo Christ has some of those similar hallmarks of, like, the Trails series, where you have all these NPCs who have unique things to say all the time. But I was never invested in the characters in Popolo Christ or the world. It's just too... It's just too light for me. That's the word that I keep coming back to. So while I don't think it's a terrible game, I think, by any means, it's not a terrible game, and I think some people are going to really like it, and it seems like some people do really like it. I just thought it was a really middle-of-the-road experience, and I'm not afraid of calling it out for being what it is, even if it does have a long history behind it. Uh, And the farming elements from Story of Seasons are so sort of... They feel so tacked on. Like, the story has to do with restoring the soil's ability to produce crops in this this region. But once you unlock the farming stuff, which is, I don't know, like a fifth of the way through the game, um, you only have to use it once ever. And then you can totally ignore it if you want to, which, I mean, most people probably aren't going to ignore it, but I wasn't really into this world, so I was just like, eh. Um, so it's kind of a, a middle-of-the-road game that I don't I don't hate, but I don't love either. Sometimes that happens. You get a yeah, game I mean, that you, you don't hate it, but it's it is what it is. It's it puts me in a tough position. I feel a little bad sometimes because especially when a series has such an exuberant fan base. It says this series has a very niche fan base, but it is a very exuberant one. Um, I feel bad almost saying that I didn't really care for it, but I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I can't make up a new opinion. So it's. Well, I mean, you're not betraying anyone by saying that, even if you. Uh, even if it has a a, a a niche fan base that's very passionate about it, do you, you don't really owe them anything. You just right. you you owe readers your at your true opinion. Right. I think I was fair. I mean, that's what we do, right? As we, I mean, any review is subjective, but you have to take all the pieces of a game and try to weigh them as objectively as you can. While then, you know, at the same time, putting your final opinion out there. So, yes, I I. I can't really recommend it. Um, if you're really into cutesy stuff, like I actually liked Rhapsody back in the day, and this kind of reminds me of Rhapsody in that it's it's that level of um, it's that shallow, I guess. Like Rhapsody was cute and fun, and it had all the musical numbers and stuff. Um, but this game is very much along those lines, and I think that I just need a little bit more out of an RPG. Simple isn't bad. Like the East games are kind of simplistic in their structure, but there's a lot of depth in the actual. Uh, combat and like the skill required to do stuff on harder difficulties but Popolo Christ was a little too simple and a little too easy for me and the characters and world didn't didn't catch me so SI do you uh, you think you would have more to offer for say um, huge story of seasons slash harvest moon fans that want something different or is is, is it not that it's not close enough to those maybe I'm, I'm 
I, I'm not huge into Popa LaCroix or Harvest Moon, so I'm, I'm right. a bad example. Well, it has the story of seasons elements, but they're they're so simplistic and they're they're minimized for sure. Like in in a story of seasons game, you can expect to have all kinds of different tools, animals, crops. Um, in this one, you have like three tools. You have a hoe, a watering can, and seeds. Uh, and then there are three animal types that you can raise. And producing animal byproducts and and crops just gives you something that you can either craft into accessories that I don't really need because I'm not having a hard time with the game or you can sell them for money to buy stuff. So it's like, I just never, I didn't see the need for it. And so if you are really desperate for a farming game, um, this might scratch that itch a little bit for you. But from what I've seen of Stardew Valley, which is a new farming simulator game that's out on Steam, uh, that seems like it's a little bit more what Harvest Moon fans or Story of Seasons fans might be looking for. I'm sorry, I'm so mean. It's okay. You that hate happens. you hate video games. We know. We do. I hate them all. Yep. Why so aren't bad. your reviews more objective, Derek? Yeah, no. seriously. We we only want to know objective things about the video game. I want to know how it plays. I'm such a mean person. Is that what people actually want? Like people just want like an objective. This is how there, the game plays. There's uh, a minority out there. Yeah, cer- certain elements do, but I I mean I, I think that a review is is by definition subjective and asking for objective reviews is is an oxymoron but uh which is why we've seen parody articles out there that are like this is a game it has graphics it has graphics (laughs) that the graphics are graphics well and and so this press press x to jump watch this segue so this brings us to the last game i think we're going to talk about this week which is the division and caitlin's been playing a little bit of the division and I watched the hour and a half quick look on Giant Bomb, and so I got to watch them play the game. And I probably could have just turned the sound off and just watched it. And I just watched it and went, okay, that game is not for me. Like, I, I was just like, that looks interesting. It might be a very good game, but I can tell that this game is not going to do it for me because I know that these guns-based loot shooters like Borderlands, Destiny, and now The Division, none of these games grabbed me. Like, I, I find them to be a little boring compared to the throwing of spiders and turning people into chickens that is the awesomeness of Diablo 3. Mike, can I get a hell yeah? Hell yeah! Thank you very much, sir. <laughs> I, and, and so, like, the that doesn't mean the division is bad, but I am saying that for me, I look at that game and go, I probably don't want any part of this. The reviewer's job is to then play the game and go, is this a good example of the game that it is? My fan reaction was, this is not a game that I want to play if that makes sense. So now, Caitlin, you've been playing a little bit of The Division. Can can you talk about us about uh, Destiny 2.0 or whatever the hell we want to call it right now? Uh, well, you know, I'm really biased against Destiny, so it might be a little unfair for me to compare the two. I want um, an objective review of The Division from you right now. Wait, we were just talking about objectivity. I can't be objective. Does it, how many graphics does it have? How many graphics? Does it have all the graphics? It has... Well, it has the graphics. There's some impressive, I mean, like, even on consoles. Um, not necessarily, like, in terms of realism, but, like, uh, the effects. Uh, I, I mentioned this last time, but the weather effects, um, the particle effects are really impressive. Um, it's got good fire. It has good It, it has, has good fire. It has good lighting. Um, when sunrise is really, I love when sunrise happens because a sun will get in your face like it does in real life. Hmm. Uh, and one of the small things that I've been noticing that's kind of weird because it's like one of those things where it shouldn't be that impressive because we should be able to manage um, that kind of thing by now is reflective surfaces. 
Like, I'm impressed in that the fact that reflective surfaces actually reflect the environment around you. Like, you will look at water in the ground and it will reflect buildings and gas stations and billboards and lights and shit like that. Sorry, I swear. Um, and, like, you know, that's that's a little thing that, you know, you'd think by now it shouldn't be – it should be expected. It should be, oh, well, they're doing it right. But it's still kind of impressive, especially compared to some games like Watch Dogs where you would have glass, you know, windows that would reflect streets that weren't actually there. And it was kind of weird. So I'm impressed by that. I have not gotten far enough to say whether or not it is – Destiny 2.0 in terms of main story. Um, I have a bunch of main, quote-unquote, main story missions um, on my map that I can do that I haven't done yet. Um, And those are kind of interesting. It seems like what they're doing is the main missions are the ones where you probably want to pair up with people and you load into an area and it's a unique area that you're going to run through to find some person or do something. And then... The rest of the map is populated with little side missions, and they call them encounters, um, things like that, where you can just run across them as you're going, or you can actually um, f- uh, hunt for them. You can like you you'll you'll get maps when you unlock safe houses and other places that will sort of populate your map with things to do, and you can run around doing those sort of more organically, um, and there are. From what I've experienced, they're um, a lo- they're easier for you to handle by yourself. You don't necessarily need uh, to have a group with you. Whereas uh, I had difficulty completing main missions by myself um, because there are lots of enemies that all want to kill you. Why would they do that? That's mean. Yeah, I don't know. Why can't we all work together? I mean, come on, that people. That sounds worse than game reviewers with opinions. <laughs> Ooh. 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 <laughs> Oh Imagine if they were game reviewers with opinions they're that want thro- to kill they're you. They're just throwing sevens out of ten at you over and over <laughs> again, just bringing your Metacritic down. Uh, uh. It's super effective. I mean, it it looks cool. Like, I, 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 it definitely looks a lot better than I think we were all expecting after Watch Dogs and Assassin's Creed. Which one was the bad one? Assassin's Creed Unity was the bad one, and then Syndicate was pretty good. I think yes, Unity is the France one that's bad. Syndicate's the England one that's good. Okay, it, like we were all kind of expecting this game to be bad, um, and it well, okay, maybe that's a little harsh. I was expecting this game to be bad, and then it comes out, and it looks like a competent, fun loot shooter, which is great. But when I'm watching people play this, I, I'm just like, okay, you're just shooting people over and over again until the health bar depletes. And yeah, okay, you can you can single so many games down to that basic mechanic. Even my beloved Souls series, you can single it down, but. There doesn't seem to be a whole lot else. Like I, I, you're not getting superpowers. Like I almost wonder. Like, is the Tom Clancy name screwing this game up? Because like, imagine if they did like zombies or different enemy types instead of just dudes with guns, dudes with flamethrowers. Like, maybe maybe a tank will show up in one of the levels, and that'll be you know a Metal Gear Solid fight, and you have to throw a hand grenade into it. That could be really cool. But it just looks a little straight, for lack of a better word. Like I want it to have some some uh, some personality. You know what I mean? Like, say what you yeah. will about Borderlands. Borderlands has personality. Yeah. I want the Division to have personality, and, and when they slap Tom Clancy on it, I'm I'm kind of feeling like that hurts the game a little bit. Does that make sense? Yeah, I wonder. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if it just alters expectations more than anything. 
Yeah, like I, I'm not expecting zombies to randomly show up in this game unless you know Tom Clancy uh, before he you died. You should but... always be expecting zombies to randomly show up. You should, <laughs> but I'm just wondering if this game would be better if it would just be a little, little crazier, a little zanier. Uh, I think playing it so, playing it so straight, I, I don't. I don't know. It just it doesn't have enough personality for me to really be invested in it. You get cool scarves though, right? Like one of your inventory slots is scarves. Oh man. Yes. That's yeah, Shinobi PS2 era realness. Bring it back. That's cool. It's, it's Joe Musashi's an... scarf is the best character on the PS2. <laughs> it's kind of a nice thing that they do though, because you have equipment, but then you also have what are effectively glamour items. Yeah, and... tell me about these puffy jackets I've heard so much about. Puffy. There's so many jackets and I haven't found one that I really like yet, but then again, I am at the beginning of the game, so I'm assuming you actually you get um, appearance items when you complete your Intel uh, categories. Like you can collect phone recordings, you can collect uh, the, these things called echoes, which sort of recreate a scene for you, a la sort of like 3D holograms for you to mm. see kind of what's been going on. They're they're essentially they're collectibles, but they're using them to try and help build the world and explain uh, what happened after the outbreak and how society has kind of broken down since, or you know, in the in the process of breaking down. Um, and you, as you collect them, it looks like you get rewards, and some of those rewards will be appearance items. But it's nice because you have an appearance tab where you can select, you know, what jacket you wear, what hat you wear, what scarf you wear. And it's independent of your actual, like, uh, you know, defense-based equipment. So you don't have to ever worry about picking something that looks ugly just because it's going to give you a lot more of a bullet shield. And it's I, nice I to have it. that right off the bat. Yeah, so. I love it when uh, RPGs have your armor choices reflected in the outward appearance. I know that's basically standard now, but... You know, being raised on RPGs where that almost never happened, it still blows my mind when I put a piece of armor on and I can see it on my character. Yeah, me too. And, but it also is a bit of a bummer, and and uh, sorry, Caitlin, but this was a, 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 na- a nagging issue I had with Xenoblade, was that a lot of the best armor choices for my characters were just hideous. Yes. And yeah. uh, do we so need to, I, Do we need to make Sharla wear less and less clothes to have more and more armor? Like, do we need to do that? I mean, the the only positive from that is that Naked Dumb Band was excellent. Yeah, I did like yes. it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't uh, one, of, but... one of his costumes was just oil? Do I remember? I think there's like four different armor types. There's like naked, light, medium, and heavy. And yeah. uh, and each, each armor piece was a different color of one of those. And uh, for Dunban, you could have um, and oils were typically uh, uh, in the naked class, and you could have a pretty good Dunban build with him wearing only naked or no armor. But and anyway, yeah, that's I, I think the idea of a separate appearance tab for just for cosmetic armor parts is a great idea, especially in a game where you're going to see the you know the backside of your main character a lot. <laughs> yes. And nice to be able to customize a little bit because, unfortunately, the character customization uh, stuff is kind of disappointing for me, personally. You um, you can select faces. So you have, both genders have a certain number of faces, but you can't modify them at all. You select the face and you can select the skin tone and your eye mm-hmm. color and and your hair and I mean, as far as, like, affecting how the basic face look, that's it. You can put scars, you can have war paint on, tattoos, 
but I cannot modify my character's nose or brow or anything like that. And maybe I'm just a little spoiled from games like, you know, uh, Bioware games and Elder Scrolls where you can do minute mm-hmm. modifications like that. But it's just kind of like, ah, I have... I have like seven heads and they all look varying different levels of eh, to okay, but nothing's like super awesome. And maybe if I could actually modify one of them. That's usually how I feel about character creators in Western RPGs though. Like, I don't know. It's just more of a stylistic thing more than anything. But Final Fantasy 14 is one of the only games I can think of off the top of my head that gives me sort of less. They give you a good amount of options, but you do have predefined faces that you can match with hairstyles. Um, but I think that characters in that game are really, really attractive generally, and that's probably just more my taste, you know. But in, in games like Tom Clancy, Tom Clancy, Clancy. Theaters, they they tend to be very like the males are very brutish, like and there's not a lot of variety in scarves. appearance there. Scarves. Yes. Is is there like a Christmas scarf in the game? There should be. I haven't actually gotten any scarves yet. Um, they seem to be kind of a bit rarer to find than rare scarves. So, <laughs> I, want, I want my Hufflepuff scarf. That's what I want. Hufflepuff well, I will. I will let scarf? you know. A Hufflepuff scarf. Are you a Hufflepuff, Rob? Apparently, uh, but that's okay because Deadpool, Deadpool is apparently a Hufflepuff as well. Whenever like... Jackie made me do one of those quizzes and I got Hufflepuff and I was a little angered by it. There's nothing wrong with Hufflepuff. I think I'm probably Ravenclaw. Yeah, Jackie's definitely Ravenclaw. I I was just, you know, know I'm hoping for Slytherin, but then again, I think Hufflepuff kind of fits my personality type, so. I I mean, the internet has taught us that that badgers are fearless. Yeah, badgers are crazy. Yeah. Like, that badger in Far Cry Primal, that almost made me pick that game up. Like, (laughs) that badger looks awesome. So, okay. Badger, 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 badger. So, the division, Mushroom? I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to talk about, like, you know, is it a great game yet? Because I literally have, right now, I've spent like, I've spent like three hours give maybe total in it. Lunch. No, I can't. I played more in the beta than I have so far in the main game just because I haven't had much time for it. So give us an objective review that's entirely defining it in the terms of other oh games. God. What did I start? It has numbers and those numbers go up and down and you have to affect those numbers and then flamethrower mm-hmm. guys come out and light you on fire. It is the Assassin's Creed of Destiny Borderlands. Uh, okay, I will say I didn't this. Mean to start it's, this snark train. It's more than a zero and less than a hundred. Okay. Oh, so it's not perfect. Okay. No, I okay. wouldn't say it's perfect. Okay. We probably but... shouldn't do this. <laughs> yeah, let's not do this right now. Okay, so the division, it's out. Uh, I'm kind of interested to see how much content there is to that game because, you know, at the internet being what it is and people being who they are, I love when game developers are like, there's 100 hours of content in this game. And then somebody reaches the level cap within six hours. Because I think what they need to do is whenever they think they have an amount of playtime to see all the content in a the game, they need to divide it by about 50 and then assume that someone's going to play for 24 hours straight. Yeah, well, that's what I was saying about Pueblo Craze, because when I'm seeing, like, 25 to 40 hours, I'm like, where? I I understand that I went fast, but, like, a normal playthrough of that game is going to be 15 hours. So I don't... I think that companies inflate their their figures for numbers for, like, playtime. I would would agree. I would agree. All right, so news. Uh, Do we have any other news to talk about right now? Uh, Except for the cast of Zero Time Dilemma looks awesome. Oh, my God. I can't wait. Oh, it needs to be out now. It has Junpei, Akane, Sigma, and Fee. And five other crazies. Caitlin, 
You need yes. to start playing these games. When I, I, I will add it to my backlist because I Caitlin, I will mail you a copy of 999. Oh my god, so I'm so... I, and I got the limited edition watch version of the game because I'm an idiot and I'm going to wear that watch. I love when how... They, it started showing off some of the new media that's been releasing in the last week or so i fell down a, a wiki rabbit hole because i haven't played vr <laughs> since it came out and i was just like going through our excuse me article after article for hours like oh yeah that happened because it it doesn't devolve but it sure does go crazy towards the end especially with all the all the weird sciencey stuff that's happening so it's like okay i'm gonna need a refresher before this one comes out yeah same here i, I wish every visual novel had a awesome flow chart like vlr it's yeah. uh, like I, I understand liking the old multiple endings, multiple paths way, but that VLR flowchart and having an in-game quasi explanation for why you could remember parts of the flowchart was awesome. Yeah, uh, that's the one thing about Steins Gate. Like, I, I know you can skip dialogue, so I'm going to be OK, like replaying it to get the true ending because nobody ever gets the true ending the first time. But uh, th- there is part of me that's like, oh, man, I really wish it had that flowchart. Oh, killing me. Plus, I mean, the pu- the puzzles absolutely rule. I, I I will admit, I got a little burnt out on the puzzles and and uh, Virtue's Last Reward, but I think it was because I was marathoning that game, and there were a couple moments where like I thought I had the puzzle solution figured out, and then I started getting really like upset at the game. It's like when you think you're dealing in base two, and it turns out the game's dealing in base four, like something like that. Where my <laughs> I, well, I, I tell my students like when you're trying to solve a physics problem, if you can't get it walk away from it for five minutes and come back because you're probably down a bad line of thought and you need to get away from it. And I couldn't listen to my own advice when I was playing Virtue's Last Reward. I was house-sitting while I played Virtue's Last Reward for the first time, so I had like just two dogs curled up in my lap while playing that game for hours at a, at a, at a nice house. So it was... I have nothing but positive memories about that game. I had so much fun playing it. I beat it in like five days. So good. Oh my god, I can't wait for Zero Time Dilemma. Between that and Persona coming out this summer, hopefully, I I can't I can't function. Like that's and too much. This is totally a rumor, but I just read today that uh, a few uh, it was from Gematsu, and a couple of sources have corroborated that the release date for Final Fantasy 15 might be September 30th. Oh boy. So if uh, if that's the timeline, then I need. To I need them to make sure that it is not within a month of Persona 5. Or, well, you know, I mean, I, I by then I'll probably still be playing maybe Persona 5, probably Dragon Quest 7, probably Bravely Second. There's so many RPGs this yeah, year, this it's year absurd. Yeah, yes. I'm not actually complaining that I, no, I'm no, 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 more no, than happy. It, it's I haven't much. finished Cold Steel yet. Me too, not, I need to finish it. Neither have I. I have and instead of finishing it, I started to play Fire Emblem Fates and Etrian Odyssey 4 instead. There's too many games. Too many games is a good thing. I, Can you ever imagine we were talking about this? <laughs> I, I remember, so Steven got like, uh, we, we got into a, a back and forth uh, through um, text, and I, he was kind of yelling at me saying, oh, you're not interested in Final Fantasy 15 because it has Final Fantasy in the title. And it's like, actually, I'm interested in Final Fantasy 15 because it has Final Fantasy in the title, but nothing that I've seen out of that game has me remotely interested. I, I'm I'm not digging that combat system. I'm not digging the look of the game. It's like nothing has grabbed me, but I have loved Final Fantasies in the pla- in the past, so I'm going to give it a shot. But I nothing about it is doing it for me. I think maybe if they had a different cast, that would help a little bit. If it wasn't just you know a bunch of dudes running around in black leather, like it just I don't know. No, man. That's, hmm. 
What? No, you're just you're talking my language here. Right? I, I mean, it, but but <laughs> but like the combat looks okay. Like when he was teleporting around, doing sneak attacks on people, I was like, all right, that. I don't think that's why I play Final Fantasy, but maybe maybe that's one of those moments of like Final Fantasy has left me in the dust and it has found a whole new pe- whole new group of friends, and that's great. I'm totally okay with that, but I just nothing about that game looks interesting to me. Maybe if you get a cool car, maybe that'll be it. If like I can definitely dri- do. There is yeah. a cool car, but if I can like triumph drive around in a Triumph TR6 or something, maybe that'll make me like. You can sp- drive around in a cool car. Yeah, but I'm talking like a Triumph Galea. or something. Maybe maybe if you give me like uh, like a 1979 Dodge Challenger and basically just recreate Vanishing Point. Yes. Okay. Okay. You're speaking my language. Or, or we could do uh, the Italian job, a bunch of Mini Coopers just driving around all over the place, <laughs> you know, driving through tunnels and stuff. Michael Caine yelling at you. Like you can dress the you can dress the main character in a suit and have him drive an Aston Martin. Yes. Okay. See now these you're are, speaking my language. These are references <laughs> I could never hope to make on my best of days. So this uh, is why we need to keep you around, sir. That's why we have to keep Mike here. Uh, it's just I don't know. I it. it I will most likely buy it, but I feel like it's going to be the same thing with Final Fantasy XIII, where I play it for about six hours and go, well, that's a thing. Moving on. But at least Dragon Quest VII's coming out, and I'm going to like that. Yay. Yeah, I'm looking at the Gematsu article right now. Uh, yeah. Can people stop? Okay, anybody who listens to this damn podcast. Wait, wait, did you did you read the comments section, Rob? No, no, I oh, read okay, the, okay. I read the headline: an early oh, fall right. release for the Final Fantasy ten years coming. They were not in full development on yeah. that game for ten years. Can we stop with that? Like seriously, that annoys me. That clickbaity. Oh man, Final Fantasy fifteen. They've been working on it for ten years. This is not Duke Nukem Forever. Okay, this is, here's a trailer for a game that's in the early concept stage. Oh crap, Final Fantasy XIII isn't working. Let's work on that and put this off to the side for a decade. Yeah. That's what happened. You're right. Christ, I hate... Mm. Oh god, should I read the comments section? Don't. No, 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 no I already things, up enough. I assumed you did because you instantly got angry upon yeah, reading something. never read like, comments. Oh, no. Just don't do it. Oh boy. Oh my god, I, that is a lesson I still have not learned. Every time I engage a comment, I don't even engage, like, I just, I lurk, and I get so pissed off at comments yeah. sometimes. My sister writes for an entertainment magazine, and sometimes I read the comments to her articles, and I get oh. in, irrationally angry in her defense, and have, yeah. to, have to struggle not to comment myself, which is only just feeding the trolls, it's the worst, comment sections yeah. are terrible. They're awful. Yeah. Oh, so anyway, th- speaking of things that aren't awful, didn't you also want to uh, touch upon East 8, Mike? Oh right, yeah. Um, East Eight Lacrimosa of Dana of Dana got um, some not release dates, I think, but some release windows. It's coming yeah. out in uh, summer o- summer of this year in Japan on Vita and uh, unclarified 2017 date for PS4. And they also <laughs> they, they revealed uh, two more characters in the cast along with that uh, date announcement. Yeah, and with uh, they mentioned that it's going to be a dual protagonist kind of thing. The girl Dana yes. um, Adol sees in his dreams, and she has her own sort of perspective on the story, which is really cool. It's kind of new for them. They've been doing the party system in recent East games, but um, never a full-on dual protagonist thing. Well, I mean, yeah. in, in Origins, sort of. But, well, okay, uh, but, yeah, that's, you're, right, that's a diff- you're right. It's a different kind of game, though. You're totally right, though. I Actually, I forgot that, yeah. Those, and that's one of my favorite ones. How could I forget that? Origins is great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I do wonder, I mean, that's that's a pretty lengthy delay, and they, at least they're being upfront about it and saying, hey, you know, it's just not going to come out at the same time. Um, but, I mean, that's a minimum six, six-ish six month delay for what should 
probably not take six months to port. Maybe they're just having because I've heard that the PS4 isn't as hard to develop for as the Vita. My um uh, my my completely ungrounded theory is that they're iterating a little bit on Silseta, which was a Vita exclusive. Uh-huh. So they might they might have some of the work already done for them for the Vita version, but I that's I don't actually know if that's the case. It it is weird that they would seem to be prioritizing Vita over PS4 when one of those consoles is healthier than the other worldwide. He might say. Yeah, and, but I think that uh, it's pretty likely that we'll get it here. Exceed has yet to do us wrong when it comes to the E series. Um, the the question mark for me is Tokyo Xanadu, if they're going to do that. Uh, they're releasing Xanadu Next on Steam pretty shortly here. And year. Xanadu Next is uh, uh, several years old now, I think. Right. right? And I, I do kind of worry that people will judge the Xanadu series. Well, not judge, but like people may not be receptive to one style of Xanadu or the other. Because Xanadu Next is like kind of a dark, almost gothic-y dungeon crawler. And Tokyo Xanadu is like a modern anime e dungeon crawler which i think both actually i've played a bit of xanadu next and i think it's actually a pretty good game uh but i do hope that the existence of one does not preclude the existence of the yeah, other it, it, xanadu is a weird thing the, like, like the biggest game in that series is probably fact xanadu which actually wasn't developed by falcom it sort of just borrowed the xanadu name it's it's a it's a weird series to get the explore the lineage of but i think xanadu next is more like a successor to those old xanadu games where while tokyo xanadu was falcom trying to create a new identity for xanadu that they might continue yeah. down that path if uh, tokyo xanadu is successful and uh i i own tokyo xanadu on vita the japanese version and i've played I, maybe I just like, own the soundtrack <laughs> it's it's a it's a really good soundtrack i've played maybe like five six hours of it so like a little chunk um especially considering my my japanese isn't up to fluent level like i've studied it for four years and i can understand most of what's going on it's definitely not like on steven's level uh but the game is like it's it's so obviously inspired by persona and i mean that in the best way uh that i don't know just as trails of cold steel is taking the trails formula and imbuing it with some persona elements like this tokyo xanadu is doing that with the Xanadu series, so I think it's actually I think it would perform really well here. I think people would like it. Yeah, all the I mean, I've I've been stumping for Tokyo Xanadu for a number of months now on Twitter and on various podcasts, uh, and the, every video I see of that looks like um, East esque gameplay in a Persona esque setting, right. and w- with a few. Uh, and also, I think the customization stuff in it is a lot like uh, Legend of Heroes. They basically have an orbment that isn't called an orbment for for skills. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of that speaks to me very specifically. I mean, sure, I'm describing it as a combination of other things, but I like all of those other things, and the game looks really good. So yeah. I hope that Exceed brings that along later this year. I think that there is a chance that they do that, but uh, it's not a guarantee. And especially, they have a full plate now that they uh, just announced Trails in the Sky the Third yesterday. Yeah, is coming and, to and, and we already America. know that, and we already know that Cold Steel Two is coming to North America later this yeah. year. Yeah, so they're yeah, they're busy they, with these Falcom franchises. It's coming out this fall, Cold Steel Two. They said. Yeah, so good. Love them. Yes, gotta start, gotta start being playing spoiled. them. Yeah, I mean, there was actually there's a tweet from uh, Hatsu, one of the she's the production coordinator for Exceed, and she said something like. You know, if you look at the release schedule, we had, so she said six months ago, we had one out of seven Trails games in the West. And in about a year from now, we're going to have five out of seven. So 
I think that's pretty damn good. They're, yes. they're doing their best to bring us up to speed with this series. And I think it's only a matter of time until we get caught up. Cool. Well, does that do it for news? Have we reached the end of the podcast? Uh, there's a another weird school children uh, game that was recently announced. Caligula for the PS Vita. Same writer as Persona 2. A uh, bunch of kids stuck in a Groundhog Day endless cycle of high school trying to break out of that cycle, but they're being opposed by evil anime Vocaloid singer girls. Evil Hatsune Miku, yeah. Yeah, so that's that That was only announced a week or two ago, and that sounds bonkers, but whatever. I'm, Seems I'm, like another good candidate for localization, though, by Atlas. Yeah, by Atlas or Exceed. I don't think it's... I'm, what company is doing that? It's, it's neither. So is, it's Furu. Okay. Who did uh, Unchained Blades, and they did something else more recently. I want to say Conception. No, I don't remember. But well, there it, are a couple other games. Oh, Lost Dimension. That's what it was. So they oh, had a couple okay. games released here recently. And yeah, and Atlas did pick them up. Yeah, Atlas did pick up Lost Dimension. Right. Yeah. So yeah, well, that game looks weird and neat and interesting, but it's another game. You know, high school setting, supernatural elements, pop idols are somehow involved. As long as I can murder them. <laughs> just kidding. Yeesh. A little bit. I was just gonna say it sounds Depends like everything I'd like. Yet. I'm just I'm I, Mike and I have actually discussed this at length, but I'm super in it. Like I'm over the inundation of idol culture in modern RPGs, like modern style Japanese RPGs. And just just please stop. It's we've got we've had enough. Like Risei was was great. I love Risei in Persona Four, but I'm just getting tired of it. Like Tokyo Xanadu has it. And Caligula has it, and uh, uh, Trails. Uh, Tokyo Mirage Trails. Sessions has it. Yeah, yeah, Tokyo Mirage Sessions is based around that concept. But that game, actually, I, I was pretty lukewarm on it, but I'm starting to warm to it. I don't know yet how I feel. Hmm. Anywho, I think that, that does us for news today, and for the podcast. I know. I'm exhausted. i gotta go. <laughs> got to go back to cleaning my house and start playing Dude, it's, more... like, it's like 4 p.m. where you are. Yeah, but I've been up since 8 Oh no! I wake up early, and I uh, I want to get back to playing Steins Gate. So that that's one of those. Yeah, Steins Gate. I just turn on the Vita while Jackie's working on her student teaching stuff, so that way I can you know be supportive. Just every time she holds something up. Yep, that looks good. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Every stereotype. All right, everybody. Uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. As always, give us uh, some positive reviews over at iTunes, and you can send us questions. I cleaned out the spam folder uh, on the uh, podcast email the other day, and that took about an hour uh, just to make sure there weren't any real emails in there. There's a lot of ads for watches and uh, Nigerian millionaires who want to give us money, uh, which is really Ooh, nice. But yeah, nice of them. Actually. <laughs> You know what? I actually did go down the rabbit hole on one of those in, in college where like I let the guy contact me and tried to see how far it would go before he asked for money. It was like the second step. It's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I need $200 now and then I can fund you the rest of the money. And I was like, oh, that's how you get money out of people. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, so, yeah, uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to the show. And for Caitlin, Derek, and Mike, we will see you all later. 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 Bye. Right, Bye. Play us out with some really high-pitched J-pop. No. Okay.